Episode 112 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast brought to you by Fangraphs.com. This is today is April 27th, 2014, which makes it Sunday night, which means Nick Minix. Let's try that again. Which means Nick Minix is co-hosting with me. Good evening, man. Hey, great to be back on again, and I will try to be less of a nuisance than I was last week. Your last name is so complicated, I could barely get it out of my mouth. I mean, this is it's <laughs> off to a terrible start. Uh, so we're going to follow a similar format as we did last Sunday night. Uh, if this is your first Sunday night, listen to us. We're going to go through and talk about uh, some of the rotation juggling because there have been a couple this week. Uh, some of the issues in the bullpen, because shocking, that's happening on a daily basis at this point. Some guys coming back off the disabled list, some guys going on the disabled list, and there's more notables going on the disabled list than there is coming off it. Uh, and then looking at a couple of requests, a couple of you guys sent in some requests and go over some two-start guys as you set lineups. There's only seven day games. If you're listening to this Monday, there's only se- I'm sorry, there's only seven games tomorrow. They're all night games. So if your li- if your leagues follow standard rules and you can set your lineups up to an hour before your daily player, you've got all day to listen to this podcast before you could uh, for the first pitch at, at seven o'clock tomorrow, which is just crap. I think there should be a day game every day of the week. No excuses. Really, is it? I mean, come on. This not getaway games. Something. Some of these guys are going from city to city. I know Tampa Bay is getting, trying to get out of Chicago. That game may be banged tomorrow. They're talking about bad weather there, so that may not even happen. So there may be, just be six games. And you know, frankly, I, I wish the Rays weren't playing. So it just makes it a little easier to deal with because they're, they're playing crappy baseball lately. Uh, but let's start with Detroit and Adamo Sanchez left his start on Saturday with what they called a blister, but then he got put right on the disabled list, and blisters don't do that. To uh, to quote Brad Osmus, he said it was gross, and uh, that it was it was termed a laceration of his fingers, so I'm guessing the thing busted open, and it's not pretty. So he's going to be out, hopefully it's just in 15 days, but they, they've called up, I guess Robbie Ray is who they've called up here uh, to fill in for him. What are your thoughts on this? That's, a, that's basically the the widespread speculation that that's who's going to be. I think he's kind of, he's kind of the consensus top pitching prospect in the system. And he's probably the closest uh, to being available. I mean, it just works out well. He was, he was expected to debut at some point for just this type of situation. I mean, he's, he's kind of, I mean, he's, he has kind of a mediocre ceiling. Right. Um, I think it's just, it's going to be a question of whether he uh, can command it and control, I think is a potential issue, even though he's really not had any issues with that this season. We know it can be a big difference between uh, minors and the jump to the majors. It could be kind of a shock to some of these guys. So that'll be interesting to see how he handles it. And uh, I'm not sure that the stuff will play as far as strikeouts go in the majors. So uh, he's, he's kind of a guy, maybe a little bit of upside, but uh, not somebody I'd be, Considering this is a short stint, no, nobody I'd be looking to take a risk on or anything like that. Right, and this is the guy that they got in the Doug Fister trade. This is pretty much what they have left to show for that deal. Because they had traded Steve Lombardozzi away, and this is this is one of the names that sticks out in my mind. Uh, the other, the, the bigger news, I think, this week has been Marcus Stroman's coming up to replace Dustin McGowan. McGowan hasn't looked good. Stroman looked awesome in the Arizona Fall League, looked good at times during spring training. Uh, I saw him look bad at times, especially when he left the ball up a couple times. But officially, 
Stroman has been uh, put up on the Major League roster. I, I saw our, our friend Jeff Erickson lamenting about that because he had dropped Marcus Stroman a couple of weeks ago, and Rob Leibovitz pounced on him uh, right away. I know Stroman was somebody that, that Paul and I have, Paul Spore and I have in mixed labor. He's been sitting on our bench, and there's been a couple of times where we're like, oh, we need to get somebody. But nope, not going to drop this guy. Down in AAA and AAA Buffalo, 22 thirds innings, 22 hits, five earned runs, zero home runs, a 26 to six strikeout to walk rate. Yeah, well, I, I don't, I don't know that the, I don't think that the news is official yet. Um, but the, I, the big thing uh, that came about is that uh, <clears throat> they've kind of they moved him back a couple of days, so that his start now lines up with McGowan, mm-hmm. and that's basically that's I mean the. This was already part of the speculation for the past at least week, right? And uh, so, I mean, when they when you make a move like that, and they've just been talking about, uh, I think it was the maybe the Jays assistant GM was just talking about how 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 enticing Stroman's ability is, and how they'd love to get him up sometime soon. I think that just kind of they're put people are putting the pieces together. So, very intriguing arm, a guy you should definitely be on even in mixed leagues. Uh, there's going to be some bumps in the road, I think, just because, uh, I mean, we saw it in spring training. I don't think he's re- quite ready to be a real consistent pitcher, but just the stuff is stuff's pretty electric, even though he's a small, uh, small guy. And McGowan clearly belongs in the bullpen, and I think he has for the past seven years. <laughs> well, I mean, the other thing here is, you know, it, we, I mentioned earlier, Paul and I have him in 15-team mixed labor. So if you're looking, do I need to pick him up in a 12-team? I would I would say no. I don't know about you, but I would definitely say no to a 10- or 12-team mixed, 15-team mixed. Since I'm doing it, I need to also recommend it. If, if I'm going to keep him this long, <laughs> I, I can't say no. Don't pick him up in that format. But that's where I'd be. 15- to 18-team league mixed, absolutely. For sure. 10-12, no sure. way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, I mean, 12 12- – that's the kind of thing. If um, I mean, if, if if the end of my roster is littered with one or two guys that are just really questionable, if I if I had a really bad draft pitching wise and I've been unable to have some have any luck in free agency, but there's just there's just probably too much pitching talent available to worry about a guy like that. Exactly. Another guy that came up today and after uh, parts of eight different minor league seasons earned his first career win at age 29. Congrats to him with Scott Carroll of the White Sox came in for Eric John uh, Eric Johnson. Who, who was terrible on Friday night. Uh, you know, was chased after the second inning, couldn't throw strikes. Scott Carroll comes in today and gets, jumps in the rotation spot. He took the spot. This was really Chris Sale's spot. But it, with, when Sale hit the disabled list, this was, was supposed to be Sale's second start of the week because we find out Monday that Chris Sale hits the disabled list. So he went from a two-start guy that we both liked last week to a no-start guy on the disabled list. So Scott Carroll jumps in here and does well. I mean, this is a guy... I watched most of this game. He is a sinker ball pitcher that doesn't throw anything straight. He barely top hits 91 once or twice in a game, but he's pretty much 88 to 90 with a sinker that's all over the place and you know a very average breaking ball, but he can't throw anything straight. And it made it tough for the Rays to square up on him. This is a team that normally handles right-handed pitchers rather well. They had nothing on this guy today, especially he, he uh, generated four double plays. I think two of them are Evan Longoria, if I, if I remember correctly, in this situation. So upside-wise, there's not a lot here with this guy because he's not going to miss a lot of bats. But he does keep the ball on the ground and pitching in U.S. cellular. That's a that's a big thing. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I knew nothing about him until this news was announced that he's replacing Johnson. Um, and it was so a guy. Obviously, I'm like, oh well, let's check him out and. 
said, I mean, there's nothing that screams upside or anything like that. But if he's if if his stuff has that kind of movement and he's that unpredictable, you're looking at the potential for one of these kind of oh well, I this is one of those players where you say oh, I don't have any interest in that guy. But if if you throw a buck on him and uh, and he and strictly AL only league speaking, by the way, uh, and and you ride him for say two three weeks a month uh, until people start to figure him out, figure out what he can't do. Uh, then, you know, maybe you've, you've gotten yourself a little bit of a boost uh, while you're kind of struggling to fill in innings or something like that. Uh, and, and that's where kind of upside with a player like that exists. I mean, uh, otherwise, uh, not somebody obviously you'd be investing in for the long term. Yeah, precisely. I can uh, agree with all of that on there. Let's look at the bullpen. Uh, this is a, a surprise. It's like every time we have a show, either you and I or, uh, you know, if you know, and I talk, something's happening in the bullpen. Jason Grilly has hit the disabled list with a strained left oblique. If if we think about how this has affected Alex Cobb, who has the exact same thing, we've talked about a six week, six to eight week timetable with with Alex Cobb. I think that applies with Jason Grilly until we hear otherwise. So if you're a Mark Melanson owner, congratulations, you have a closer for you know, a month and a half to two months. I think a lot of people were drafted Mark Melanson anyhow because there there wasn't this 100 percent certainty that Grilly was back. So, this, yeah. but I think that's the real thing here is this injury is going to be at least a month. I think best case scenario, he's gone until uh, you know Father's Day. Yeah, I think well, Father's Day is too Huntington. long. Oh, yeah, that's too long. Memorial Day. There we go. <laughs> Fair enough. I like that we uh, we frequently come back to this Memorial Day deadline. Um, I think uh, Huntington was said he would, they were really optimistic because they think they caught this oblique thing early. And they, I mean, this is. The news was kind of out of nowhere because he hadn't pitched since last weekend when Ryan Braun took him to town a couple of times. I think it's kind of interesting. You start to wonder, maybe is, is this something that was affecting him that weekend? Is this something that had started to reveal itself? Right. And he had, there was no news that I saw. I, I was doing some searches just trying to find it. I mean, he did some kind of charity thing midweek, and there was never any mention of uh, uh, his health or anything like that. And then he goes on the DL. So I think it's an interesting situation. They seem to think they said they just didn't want to go any longer uh, being shorthanded. They seem to think they caught it in plenty of time and that they hope even that he's back in the minimum of 15 days. I don't see that being a realistic thing, but I think it's possible that this is this is really a minor version of an oblique strain, something like uh, that. Again, it just doesn't keep him out uh, for much longer than a minimum. But as you said, when we know these kind of things uh, can be a lot more serious uh, than than, uh, teams uh, express the kind of confidence in so uh yeah and, and the only thing i could say about it is hopefully maybe maybe there's a little bit of hope here to say that this was a possible contribution you know, contributor to uh how really performed last weekend uh and it maybe has it's been kind of something leading into performance but there's not there's not a whole lot of uh dots to connect there and just hopefully the downtime at least will kind of help him get things back together if you do own him right yeah you'd you hope so in the meantime again if, if you have Melanson, congratulations he's looked he looked good in this role last year i have zero concerns about him being able to handle it he showed last year he could handle it i know a lot of people were targeting him in drafts to look at and, and late uh, to have around because even if he even if he wasn't closing the skills were still there he's still going to help in ratios he's still got strikeouts now he's going to be able to help you across the board uh in california they the angels Made a decision, took Ernesto Freire out of the role, took him out of the ninth inning, took him out of the eighth inning, 
I think he's now a low leverage seventh inning reliever at this point. And they put Joe Smith in there. And Ito and I have talked about, we have our reservations about Joe Smith. We said he was probably next in line, but uh, you know, Eno and I, I don't know where you are on this, Nick, but we're both big on lots of swings and misses, velocity things, and that's those are two things that Joe Smith lacks. Oh, of course. I mean, uh, Smith is – I mean, he's at times he's put up – I mean, I've seen – you know, we've all seen a guy like this, and he occasionally strikes out the side, but for the most part, you're not talking about – a lot of strikeouts here, and the velocity is not anything overwhelming. A few years ago, he was a really effective reliever, but it, uh, at times was really wild. But yeah, bottom line is this guy is not um, – I mean, he's not full-season closer capability or anything like that. Uh, and, and and the implication here, I mean, he's – I think Frieri's already made two scoreless appearances. I'm not sure if he pitched today, but it was two – I think Friday and Saturday he pitched. Of course and he had did. Abs- <laughs> yeah, had, had absolutely no issues. Uh, maybe struck out one. I mean, strikeouts weren't a, weren't a part of the equation or anything like that. But uh, I think it's it's interesting to me. It's kind of uh, this is I think something I had written in notes. Maybe it's something to take a look at. Is it always why does it take why does it take some relievers? Uh, why does it take specifically some closers uh, to take a longer look at what they're doing uh, and maybe look at look to make some mechanical tweaks or anything like that? And why do they wait until they've lost the job for that when they're clearly struggling? I mean, Freire has given up like 47 home runs, I think, in the first three weeks of the season. And suddenly, and for some reason, doesn't think that that's a problem. Uh, I, I mean, I, bought, I think by all accounts, Mike Sosha wants to give the job back to Freire. I think the only real question is going to be, does Freire screw it up again? Because he's going to get that chance eventually. Uh, and then does it become, a, 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 does Dane De La Rosa eventually, once he's back to health, does he become a factor? Because he has the kind of uh, velocity and potentially the strikeout stuff that maybe you guys like. Yeah, he's done that. I mean, in, in the past, he's given a little bit of leash to, you know, to Freer. And Freer's had some issues. And, and for like a week or a couple of days, they say, no, he's out, he's out, he's out. And then he comes back. And does well, and it kind of said, it kind of speaks towards Jim Johnson, who's in the same boat. He stunk up the bed. They took him out, and since then, Jim Johnson's pitched awesome in in that <laughs> Oakland bullpen. And these kind of things happen. You know, a situation that I don't see that happening is with Grant Balfour in Tampa Bay. I, I know he had a terrible outing the other night, gave up the five earned runs, including the walk off grand slam to Jose Abreu. But Joe Madden has traditionally had a very very long leash with his guys. I I, I point back to 2009 when Troy Percival couldn't get anybody out and they waited until about Memorial Day to make a change in the closer role and, and gave it to J.P. Howell at that point. But he, there have been guys that have struggled, Farnsworth has struggled, and, and he's been very, very hesitant to make that kind of change. And when Balfour, one of the, a lot of people are asking what the hell's wrong with him. To me, what in, in that particular game, fastball command, and the, the White Sox picked up on it very quickly. They said, okay, he can't throw his fastball for strikes. He was tripling, quadrupling, quintupling up on sliders. And you know, it, Tyler, there's a particular bat after a leadoff double, I think it was, Tyler Flowers comes up and takes three or four sliders off the outside corner. And I'm like, okay, if you can't get Tyler Flowers to swing at that slider, he knows you won't throw your fastball for a strike and you can't command it. So he's just going to, the, the, the word quickly got through that White Sox dugout, don't swing at the slider. Let it go. If you see something in fastball, pounce on it. And he tried, couldn't command it, threw one over uh, Paul Konerko's head. They got into a little bit of shouting match because Balfour yells at himself about pretty much everything. 
Yeah, I've noticed yeah, that. And, and that's how that happened. <laughs> and it's gotten them into trouble with opposing hitters yes. on more than one occasion. It's never <laughs> at them. It's always to it. The only one, the only time it's ever been to one of those guys is back in the 2008 postseason when he when he had it out with Orlando Cabrera. That was definitely directed at Orlando Cabrera. But in this particular case, he was just yelling at himself for blowing that. And then he finally throws a fastball strike to Jose Abreu, who just you know, obliterated it. it. To me, what's been the problem is he's not commanding his fastball. And that the slider's good, but it's really good when he's ahead in the count. The problem is he's not getting ahead in the count. So I'm not, I'm not on the 20 to 80 scale. I'm about a 30 to 35 on, on a worry rate. It's just the command's got to come back because right now he's walking too many guys and falling behind too much in the count. That's me trying yeah, to move as I'm still sore. Ow. All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> now, and that, well, that's, and here's your explanation. I think that probably goes quite a bit to probably explaining the huge spike in the walk yes. in the in the in the in walks per nine. I mean, I think that that's going to go quite a bit to it. The thing that just worries me, and this is early still, it's early in the season. So uh, I mean, these things t- tend to kind of uh, <clears throat> uh, what is it? They tend to kind work of, themselves uh, out. Yeah. So, but I would say like the his velocity is down. Uh, by a couple of miles per hour, and I, it just makes me concerned because I, I mean, I watched a, one of his outings prior to that, and I was like, you know, it just doesn't seem like it has the same kind of zip. And maybe if, uh, I mean, at the combination of these things, if he's not able to command a slider and he doesn't seem to have a lot of confidence in the fastball, maybe he's. And I do not want to start anything with this, and uh, I'm not typically the type of person who has a kind of authority to start anything like this anyway. But um, <laughs> I mean, it. it it makes me wonder just a little bit, just a little bit, uh, and this, this is the only reason I put this down, is just something to talk about and maybe think about is uh, when the Orioles signed him, and uh, then they you know, they vetoed the contract after they gave him the physical, and, and everybody said that the Orioles made a big deal about nothing and that there's no real issues, but it makes you wonder if you know, maybe there's something else going on there and he's not, he's not quite 100% or something like that. But, I mean, I, I think – and I totally agree because as long as Balfour is healthy, he's going to be in that role. I don't think Madden is going to consider going away from him unless it just is a case where his arm falls off. Yeah, agreed. The, the thing with you – know, the Rays are, are, were very thorough with this. They were, the team doctor was the guy that had done his last surgery. So you know, that when they can look at the MRI and compare the results, they know what they're looking at, and they, they've got a long okay. medical history. And as stingy as they are with the dollar, I'm, I can't imagine they're going to drop two twelve on, on a guy. That is that yeah. much of a risk, even though they knew they may need the bullpen this year. Uh, you know, I, I still I'm, I'm not terribly worried. If you're looking for a replacement, you know, pick up Juan Carlos Oviedo. I know that McGee's got the stuff. I know that Peralta's got the stuff, but they are critical in the roles that they're in and Madden will use them in any capacity. I just don't think he's willing to take them out of the, out of the, their roles to make either one of them the closer. I could be wrong. I have been wrong before, but in just looking at this, he is very, he, he's in the past. He's never even liked using the word closer. He's always called them, you know, situational right. relievers, high leverage situations. This year he's used that closer label on Balfour. Maybe that's what the problem is. Cause you know, they're, they're finally using the word. <laughs> and what's it's interesting i mean he's he's always been a guy who's not afraid when he doesn't when he has no guy that is clearly not that is clearly the closer even though he won't call him that is it's i mean he's not afraid to go one pitcher for one out and one pitcher for another and doesn't matter and as long as it's 
I know that this pitcher in this situation is going to get me this out, and whether it's Joel Joel Peralta because of the you know the change up and uh, can get you know a left-handed hitter out of right hand. I mean because he knows of the order and things like that, and Jake McGee and the things that he matches up well against. He's not afraid to do that, and uh, well, he, I think he kind of enjoys doing that. But uh, I mean, think of anything. It, it's just it's a it, because it's a team that approaches things you know a lot differently from the way other teams do. You know, there's there's certain things we don't we don't need to expect as far as convention goes, and and, and they can get the job done. And at least for that reason, for a long time, you could probably consider Balfour's job pretty safe. Yeah, speaking of a team that uh, is not afraid to use different pitchers, that, that's the Astros. <laughs> the Astros now have four different uh, relievers, Josh Fields, Anthony Bass, Chad Qualls, and Raul Valdez, that have at least one save this season. The Astros won their eighth game today. They have six saves as a team. And Bo Porter was, said, hey, I got a committee. I have a committee. Sure enough, he does. And he is not even, we're not even talking about Jesse Crane, who's still not back, but eventually he's going to be back and he's going to be in this fold as well. But right now, almost a full month into it, it truly is a committee and it's being based on matchups. It, Valdez got it the other day. You know, Qualls has been pitching better over the last week. We look at you know, his game log to see what he's done here and give him two hits on Friday. But he has not been scored upon in his last three outings. Hasn't been scored upon in six of his last seven outings. So he's starting to look a little better. But this truly has been a matchup situation there in Houston. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's no reason to note primarily one reason. I just I couldn't imagine anybody saying, "Oh, I need to pick up Raul at Valdez." But uh, just on the off chance, I mean, this is still the he's the only left-hander that they have available in the bullpen right now. Uh, and that's probably not going to change too much over the course of the season because I don't know that they have anybody really down there. That's, I mean, he's he's the guy. So we've seen instances where maybe it's okay to own t- some teams. Lugi, that's uh, basically all Valdez is. This is a guy they DFA'd, I think, in spring training uh, just before the start of the season. It's clearly not somebody that they have high on their retention list or anything like that. But uh, he's he, <clears throat> he's a guy. He's left-handed. Uh, he's made six appearances in three and a third innings. It kind of tells you the kind of. I mean, he's a total specialist. Uh, and and, and uh, this is this is a situation where largely it's going to be a bunch of right-handers still vying for. They're going to be splitting up twenty-five saves. So, congratulations. Uh, yeah, Matt Albers was the guy that was disabled. He, I thought he had looked really good in his opportunities, and uh, yeah, he had definitely. disabled this with shoulder tendonitis. So we'll see where. Uh, where he has to go. And, and while we talk about this, this whole Matt Albers thing reminds me, I need to put in free agent bids and tout wars because I need to replace Matt Albers, who I've been trolling <laughs> for saves with. So that situation's happening. But uh, guys that are coming back off the disabled list, Cameron Maben came back in the San Diego Padre lineup today. He is, you know, Chase Headley was on, on the way out. Cameron Maben was on the way back. He comes back a lot quicker than people thought he would. When he first got hurt, people thought, you know, the pectoral torn pectoral muscle, he was going to need to have surgery. He didn't need to have surgery, and he's even back before May. A lot of people were saying mid-May, possibly June, and here he is already. Yeah, well, and that's just the thing. I mean, the thing that really, uh, besides the fact that he came back early, is even then they, the speculation started to ramp up that he was coming back soon. I don't remember this or anything saying. There was no, this just kind of came out of nowhere to me as far as his activation. I just, I was trolling the newswire and I was like, oh, Cameron Maven was activated and thrown in the lineup today. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's a, I think this, this is negatively affecting, um, 
Kristen Norfia, I've seen him picked up. He was pick. He was a pickup in mixed out uh, draft last week, and I was like, well, that's an interesting one. I know he started the season kind of hot, but he's just kind of a he's kind of a fill in. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I, I think it's just a, it, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, we know what Maven brings to the table. Um, there's there's plenty of speed here. It's just going to be interesting to see how quickly. I mean, the bat. Uh, they said I, re- I read also that he was hitting a lot of balls balls hard and uh, toward the tail end of his rehab assignment. And uh, Padres are really optimistic that the you know he kind of be ready to go. It, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, he's this is uh, this is probably a guy who's available in a lot of mixed leagues, like uh, even 15. Te- I mean, possible 15 team mixed leagues. I mean, to me, he was almost kind of off the radar. So. I mean, not to say that this guy is going to turn, turn season around or you know uh, or anything like that in stolen bases, right. but he's just it's an interesting guy to to suddenly remark upon and be like, oh, this this guy's back in action and uh, and there's a chance nobody has him. Yeah, very good chance. Also with the uh, Twins, Oswaldo Arcia appears to be back. It looks like he'll be back this weekend. He and Manny Machado, good chance both guys, Baltimore and Minnesota are playing each other this weekend. Good chance both guys make their debut in that series. If Arcia comes back, you would have to figure Sam Fold gets marginalized. He's played well since the Twins have picked him up, stole a couple of bases, had a few extra base hits in the series against Tampa Bay. Uh, so I don't know if he could stick around here, but we'll see where that goes. But Arcia's on his way back. And then on the pitching side of the ledger, Iwakuma through today, there's a good chance he's going to pitch this Friday against the Astros in his first game. Mike Miner, there's a good chance he's going to come back this weekend, too. So if you spent some dollars on draft day looking at those guys, hoping they will be back before May 1st, they almost did it. They almost did it for you, (laughs) and it looks like they're going to be back May 1st or 2nd or 3rd. But either way, good news is those two guys are coming back into the fold. Yeah, and uh, and as as you're talking, Machado as well. I mean, he's been it's just extended spring and low level minors games, but uh, Machado has been tearing up a cover off the ball. So that's really encouraging. If you if you've waited that for that uh, extra month, I mean, a lot of people were hoping that we get him back, you know, opening day, and that was basically the reason I was concerned because I didn't think that was realistic. But yeah, I never thought that was realistic. Uh, and I, I I mean. Really encouraging if you did have the patience to wait this out, uh, that maybe he makes an instant impact. I was wondering if maybe they had to kind of ease him in, but it doesn't appear that's necessarily going to be the case. Uh, nope, looks like they're going to pull him right in. Let's see where he ha- happens to go. Now, on the way out, and as I mentioned earlier, a lot of news here. Bryce Harper, Chris Davis, Mark Trumbo, Chase Headley, Devin Mesoraco, Russell Martin, all on the disabled list in the last 48 hours. <laughs> That sucks. I, <laughs> I just want to, I, I'm glad that like I have just one of those guys on one of my teams. <laughs> oh man, I've got, I have, uh, in, uh, in labor, we have uh, Bryce Harper. So that stinks. Uh, but man, that's Harper and Davis. Those are both first round draft picks in 15 team mix. Yeah. Trumbull was a top five round. Uh, you know, Headley and Masarocco a little different, Mark, but we're talking about everyday players. I know before we started recording, one of my friends G-chatted me. He's like, damn, we're in a 10-team NL league together, and he had to go get pick up Hector Sanchez, a catcher, because there was nothing left out there for him because he's got <laughs> Russell Martin. And uh, like last week in Fab, I had picked up Chris Stewart only because my backup catcher was Tim Fedorovich. And I get that's going to suck. Oh, Let me go ahead and get Chris Stewart. <laughs> and, and I did. And sure enough, the guy's like, I went to go pick him up. And you had him. I'm like, yeah, I had no foresight to that. I just needed a better backup because my situation, I had Brian Pena and Jose Lobatone. 
And uh, at least now Brian Peña is going to get more playing time because Masaraco's yeah. in the disabled list. Yeah, at least – yeah. Sanchez isn't the worst you could do. I mean, he's a solid hitter at least. Yeah, it's not it's not terrible, but it is a uh, – that's a lot of guys <laughs> to uh, have to worry about losing. Harper, we hope, is just the 15 days with the thumb. We don't know. They said x-rays were negative, and then this morning he hits it. And then with Chris Davis, it's an oblique issue too. Uh, and with batters, if you try to rush that back, you can re-injure it. So I think that'll be longer than 15 days as well. He's already saying it's not going to be. But again, never, ever, ever trust the player. Never trust the player. And, uh, I mean, Buck Schalter, he said, we hope it's 15. You think there's a good chance. But uh, I'm I'm – Still thinking that it's going to be a little more than that, and I think I mean I watched I watched just the replays of the bats over and over, and like the first time that he appeared to have some issue, it was a, it was a sharp swing. There's no question. He appealed to have feel like a tug, and he stayed in the game, played two more innings, and then came up in another bat, and he hit a like a weak line drive, and just really seemed to I, I that that made me concerned. I wouldn't be surprised if this ended up being a lot longer, to tell you the truth. And as far as Harper's concerned, the thing that they're they're talking about that this this it's not necessarily directly related to, but that there's some kind of issue that this is related with, uh, related to as far as uh, a, 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 an issue that he developed in high school uh, with a similar injury. And uh, it was kind of uh, just kind of some residuals from that, that there's some like lax- laxity in the, uh, in the ligament and so, or tendon, whichever one it is. And uh, um, I think it's, it's a little bit, they're a little bit concerned that this is going to be an injury that uh, they could keep him out for four, six, or even eight weeks. So wow. I was just, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's all speculation right now, but uh, he's, I mean, he says, you know, I hope it's just a 15, but I think there's, a, there's going to be a lot of questions that they don't, that they don't really have answers to until they have more tests done. Yeah, definitely agree with that. in that situation, Connor Gillespie hit with a sore hand you know, normally this is like, so what? But Gillespie's actually hitting the ball well in Chicago, as is most of that White Sox lineup. They're hitting well, so he's on the disabled list. Marcus Simeon is picking up the playing time in his absence. Some guys that haven't hit the disabled list, but something to watch for. By now, you've probably seen the video of Ryan Braun hitting Gene Segura in the face, <laughs> swinging his bat behind his head there at the top step of the dugout. I heard Doug Melvin talking on MLB Network Radio today, and they said that, and there's no concussion, but he did need to have a plastic surgeon fix it up. So it was at least yeah. to that extent. He was talking about, Melvin made a good point about, uh, you know, the, in the back of the day, there used to be a 10-day disabled list. He doesn't think this is a 15-day thing, but if there were a 10-day disabled list, he'd put him on it. I think what complicates things here is Ryan Braun's got an intercostal strain. He's going to be out three to mm-hmm. five days. And this is a situation where Milwaukee's already, they're already playing you know, they carry Scooter Jeanette and Ricky Weeks. Both guys can only play second base. They, you know, th- this is not like you've got a, a utility infielder. Both of those guys are limited to second base. So they've been. I want to say. The, I want to say that Ricky Ricky Weeks, like when he first came up, didn't he earn? I want to say he earned like uh, eligibility at first base. Like they played. Yeah, he did. He he had to for a little bit. I'm not saying that he was good at. Right. If he was good at it, they wouldn't have <laughs> And they have two other guys right. that can own, almost can only play that position anyway. So. That's the thing that complicates things here because you've got two guys that are essentially first baseman, two guys that are second baseman. You're playing a man short in the bullpen because of mm-hmm. this, and now you're playing with two guys that you don't have. They're, they only have two guys on the bench today. They are very hamstrung here because the two guys they have on the bench are essentially their platoon partners, backup catcher and uh, the other guy in, in this situation. So I think – you know, maybe Mark Reynolds has got to play some outfield here to, to cover for this because Logan oh, Schaefer's yeah. on the disabled list as well. So it, it, 
He's due back very soon, I, I believe. Schaefer. Okay. So maybe that gives him. I think. I. I mean, to me, the 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 smart solve is with the way that. I mean, Braun had a little bit of a thumb injury. Uh, I mean, if he hasn't played for a couple of days already, backdate it, disable the stint, and 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 give him the extra week to heal. I mean, I, t- especially if it's an intercostal strain, they say it's so minor that they don't, th- you know, they don't even think it'd be down for that long. Who cares? I mean, you're talking about a guy that has just had too, way too many problems. And G. Segura is, I mean, he's in great shape other than the fact that he had to go under the knife for a very minor procedure. So I don't see uh, – you have the infielders to back up as far, because Bianchi can fill in. I would think I, – I mean, one way or the other, regardless, I mean, you have to be prepared to be without these guys for much of this coming week. So, uh, I mean, and hopefully Milwaukee handles this the right way because I hate to see this affect uh, – brawn again in the in, uh, down the road yeah definitely i want to see where this goes i can't imagine one or both of these guys is going on disabled this i just can't see how they they're able to carry the roster issues that they're that they're doing here and they're able to do this so i don't know how this is going to work out uh but i'm pessimistic i'm pessimistic both these guys avoid the disabled list uh hanley ramirez bruised right thumb it's not related to what he had surgery on last year so that's the good news yeah, and, and we'll keep an eye on that. I know that Shinshu Chu has been dealing with a sore heel. It mm-hmm. is not making any progress either. So if he, if he has to hit the disabled list, at least it would be retroactive. But that's something to worry about as well because he's just not uh, – he hasn't been in the field much. And that's a guy that you're, you're spent, you spent a second or a third-round draft pick in the lowest, and he's not really doing much for you right now. And they called it – they said it's not a high ankle sprain, so we're optimistic. Well, just because it's not a high ankle sprain doesn't mean it's an ankle sprain that's going to prevent you from playing for two weeks. So you never know. Yeah, exactly. So I I just – I hate when guys have to do this when they sit out, sit out, and all of a sudden – the worst is going to be like tomorrow. You set your lineup. Yep. That's, the, that's the one advantage of not having day games tomorrow. At least if they're going to DL somebody, we're going to know if your league is not one of these old school restrictive leagues that makes you set your lineups by noontime. At least you'll yeah. be able to know about it. I hate those kind of things. Um, a yeah. couple of requests. Somebody, uh, a listener said, talk about Brett Laurie. And I don't even know how to talk about Brett Lowry, to be honest with you, because <laughs> it's ridiculous what, what his numbers are. He plays are a great third base. Here, I mean, this is the thing. When you look at this line, he's batting 179. He's got a 233 on base percentage, and he has six home runs. It's like yeah, this, is, this is like Mark Reynolds. I was going to say when you said he has a one, what is a 179 batting average, yes. I was going to look at his numbers, but I thought you might be going in that 233 was his ISO at least. Because <laughs> I know that that's pretty much all he's done is hit home runs. Yeah, he's got a 200 ISO. The thing that's killing him, he's got a 157 batting average and balls in play. That's ridiculous. I mean, that, that's a lot of bad luck. And it's not like he hits, it's not like he makes bad contact. You can't hit six home runs and make bad contact. So this is, it must be a lot of Adam balls. I I know what I've seen him, it's not like he works a lot of counts. He is rather aggressive. He will chase pitches. But it looks like right now, if you're making a mistake, he's hitting it. The thing is, when I look at one double and six home runs, that scares me. Because that's not, that. if you were to say, let's do this, over-under. He's he's already one-third of the way there. Over-under and Brett Lowry hitting 18 home runs this year. Oh man, that's tough. Um, uh, I'm gonna go over <laughs> just because he plays in Toronto and he'll make trips to Baltimore and Yankees. True, <laughs> that is. I'll take the under on it, but yeah, this is a it's a weird situation for him. Uh, the way this the way this looks, 
you know, it's like everybody's kind of got this picture in their head of what he did that that first year he was called up, and it's you know the numbers were insane what he did. But if we if we stretch him out, if we look back at the since the All Star break of 2013, we're talking about a guy that that's hit 255 with a 723 OPS and has hit six of the 12 home runs this year. Yeah, you know, the smart money is on under because uh, it's he hasn't yet sustained that injury that's going to put him out for a month, and uh, there's always something else nagging that comes up. The guy kind of plays – he plays a little recklessly, so it's certainly not uh, – I mean, if you if you want to – for instance, if you I guess if you could pedal on somebody and say, look, the home runs are just a precursor. When that bad book comes up, I'm willing to deal this guy if anybody's ready. You know, I mean, I guess there's always a possibility you could trade him. I don't know. But he's just – he's he's such a – he's an enigma, I think. It's just um, – I've heard uh, – well, I'm not going to get into some other things I've heard. I just think that he's a, he's a, he's a, a really troubling player, and uh, I'm glad that I don't own him. <laughs> yeah, I, I own him nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Just one of these guys that it kind of drives me nuts. I'm looking at it going, no. But, I did draft him in a league, and it's a team that I was not allowed to keep, and I won't get into the reasons why. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm missing him. Also, I had Starlin Castro on that team, though, and he's uh, two home runs today. But, I mean, I so I try to live vicariously through people I know like that. But, uh, I, I mean, I don't miss being a Brett, a Brett Lowry owner. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> uh, with Colin McHugh. You know, the Oakland Star, I did not like this matchup on paper. And he went out and nearly threw a complete game against Oakland. Oakland has owned the Astros, has worn them out this year. And, he, you know, he struck out 12 against Seattle earlier this week. And then came out and had an excellent start again today. I was, you know, I didn't get to see the game. I just saw the stat line. I'm looking on Twitter going, what the, how did he do this? And one of the guys, that, the Astros followers that are on me, he said, you know, the cutter. He, he sent a quote from... Uh, Bob Melvin and basically said, you know, the, the cutter was he was throwing at 91 and it looked a lot better than it was playing that, that it showed on the radar gun. He said they were saying it's 91, but it was it was me to find the exact quote here. The exact quote says Bob Melvin McHugh had a great cutter that played faster than the 91 miles it was showing on the screen, mixed in a great curveball later. <clears throat> yeah, the, and the the request was mine. I was just curious if this was going to be of any interest to anybody. I mean, this uh, uh, when you to me when a guy comes up and he puts together two ridiculous starts like this. What is it? One run allowed in fifteen or sixteen innings, uh, and dominantly at that. Uh, I mean, I, that's I was curious. Does anybody know what's what's this guy doing? The cup fastball is interesting. The velocity is up from his times in previous years in the in the in the majors. And he was always kind of a, an interesting guy to me as far as the minors, uh, uh, as far as guys that were really a little bit outside the prospect radar, but, uh, and, and occasionally would kind of dial up results that were really kind of intriguing is when he was a Mets prospect. And I think, I mean, there's, there's something, there's something, a little something about him. I mean, not to say that this guy, again, this is not one of the, it's, it's, I think it's a case to watch and somebody where if, if, if you, if you gambled on him in an AL only league and it could turn out to be something great. Uh, And uh, again, I mean, he's keeping the ball out of the air so far. I mean, this is uh, Intriguing, something I would watch, something I wouldn't automatically dismiss just because this is some guy who's uh, in his late 20s at least, maybe he's 30, I'm not even sure. But, uh, I mean, there could be something to it, uh, especially if he's the – I mean, Cutter is uh, – a lot of people develop that pitch later in their careers and has been – proves to be really effective for him. I mean, it's something that could kind of re, uh, revitalize somebody's career. I mean, it's not an easy pitch to master. So, 
at least it's, it's something to watch, not necessarily uh, something that uh, is going to make you want to go out and get this guy. Yeah, so far, the, he's doubled his swing and miss rate. And I think a lot of that has to do with facing Seattle because they're so terrible offensively and, and they struggle to make contact. Uh, so that's where you look at a swing and miss rate that was 17.2% last year in limited time. He only pitched in seven games. And this year it's 35.2. So that's a big jump with them. And just and fewer balls being put into play because, again, he's faced Seattle, which is there's a ton of swing and miss in there. But, I, again, I thought the Oakland matchup was a poor one. And he he maybe looked stupid on it because he ended up having a really <laughs> good game. So the other note is B.J. Upton, who is now wearing spectacles at the plate. He's saying it's helping with his depth perception. And uh, that's making him look whatever could help BJ Upton. I, I'm all for it. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the issue. It's just like, man, whatever. He hasn't hit. Do. No, he hasn't hit. And I mean, this, this is, this is what I'm going to read his numbers off since joining Atlanta. 189, 272, 289, 33% strikeout rate, 10% walk rate. He has 10 home runs and 16 stolen bases. And that's over 546 plate appearances. So that's about a BJ Upton season. 10 homers, 16 RBIs, a buck 89. Basically, this is, I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to be somewhere. I'm going to try to be, uh, all right, that's already, I'm already screwing that up. I'm just going to say PJ Upton. I mean, he says, I feel like I was seeing a lot ball, the ball a lot better at both the plate and in the field. And he's been putting the ball on the ground more than half the time. Uh, He puts the ball on play this season. And I think like he has, he had a, he got a hit in, uh, one hit in each of the three games this weekend. Okay, maybe there's a little bit of reason to hope, but uh, if you're seeing the ball that much better and he's still, like most of the balls he put in play were still on the ground. I mean, it's it's a work in progress, but it's just, uh, this is a guy I think uh, at at, the H- at first pitch in November, I basically said that I would be surprised if this guy's not done as a regular within two years. And I mean, it could be sooner than that. <laughs> Who knows? It's just, a, he's a really, it's a really troubling skill set that uh, I'm not sure that he has a discipline to overcome. Yeah, you did. I remember you did saying that. And I have, I've, I've always seen a guy as a constant tinkerer and, and that it was, you know, he'll find something that works for him. Then when it stops working, he moves on to something else. And that's my concern here. And I've seen it before. Is he running out? If, is he running out? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, if the glasses, if the glasses don't work, he'll throw them in the trash can and try something else. And, and that's where I, <laughs> that's where I see it going with him. He'll be like, nope, don't like it. I'm going to throw them away and go. So that's, that's an issue. Something I meant that I wanted to bring up. Along this line was Danny Salazar. Danny Salazar actually had a good outing today against San Francisco. It wouldn't, I mean, he's been terrible. His first, his other starts, absolutely terrible. He just get, couldn't get out. The strikeouts have been there, but the walks have been there. Has not been able to work deep in the games. Was really strong against San Francisco today. One of the things I noticed, fastball. Normally, Danny Salazar, you picture his fastball. It's something up letter high right over the plate. Today, you're looking at where he's, where he's locating his fastball, up down and particularly to the outer portion of the plate that's a good thing it showed up in his swings and misses we're talking about a guy that had 19 swings and misses through his first four starts this year that's it 19 over four starts and it was about 260 fastballs he had 14 today on 83 fastballs that's a really really good sign now is he out of the weeds yet i don't know i mean one great start against four absolutely terrible ones I don't know about that, but that's a really good sign if he's changed his process here. It's like, okay, I finally get it. I need to get on top of my fastball and get it down to the zone and change some eye levels and not be so darn predictable with that pitch. Yeah, I think. I mean, I I, I tried not to hide it 
as much as I tried to hide it, I tried not to hide it even then, is that, I mean, I love this guy. He just, there's so much oozing talent and so much ability. I mean, I just, I love everything. And I figure there's going to be some rough points, and I'm hoping that this is him working through it. I ended up with him in a few leagues. I still, I'm actually still in one of them where I still have him. And um, I, I'm, I'm really excited about the possibilities. I hope this is not just a thing where he's facing a National League team and he gets a benefit from a, a weak hitting catcher or something like that, and, and obviously getting to face Ryan Vogelsong for three at-bats, something like that. I mean, I think – but. I, I I started to wonder if there wasn't some issues and maybe he was having trouble. I mean, I tried to look at some splits and was wondering if there was some issue with runners on base. But even uh, I mean, if he's having trouble from the stretch or anything like that, but uh, there was there was clearly at times where he was just having trouble uh, even from the windup. So I don't think that that was an issue. And it's just I'm not really sure what it is. But like you said, I mean, I know, and, and it's something that I know that I think they talked about in the media is that he's having trouble getting on, uh, on top of the fastball and. Uh, I mean, hopefully this is this is this is the uh, the kind of the good sign of things to come that we're looking for. Uh, I mean, I certainly think that if 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 this kid is if he's even remotely close to being on the right track, I mean, the the, the results are going to be outstanding. Uh, agreed. I, I like I said, if there's a way to buy low on him, at least try just kick the tires on him because honestly, I thought if he had a bad start today, he would have been a Triple A because Trevor Bauer had yet another fantastic outing today down in the minor Ooh. league. So. It, <laughs> I, I don't know what they're waiting for, but the, we talked about this last week. Get Carlos Carrasco back in the bullpen where he's successful. Call up Bauer. I don't know how much longer Cleveland waits around for this, but I don't know what else Bauer's got left to prove because, again, he pulled it off today and was able to get through get through on his start. And I want to pull up the numbers because I think I remember looking at it when, it when it floated across Twitter what he did today, but he did uh, – Seven innings. Something like yeah, that. Seven innings. Yeah, seven innings, five hits, two runs. Uh, walking seven strikeouts. There we go. And he's got a one. He's got he's three and three and zero with a one forty ERA down there in the minor, down there in AAA right now. And uh, but the big thing for him, what this stands out huge to me, opponents batting average one ninety six, twenty eight strikeouts, seven walks. I mean that's what's always mm. killed him is that the the control, twenty eight strikeouts, seven walks is a four to one strikeout to walk rate. Just one home run allowed in twenty five and two thirds of wor- uh, innings of work. Call him up. Get get rid of Carlos Carrasco. I know in my home league, Trevor Bauer was still a free agent. I have a bid on him. Bid closes in ten minutes. I'm crossing my fingers. I hope I get him. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I, as I said, I wanted to get uh, Bauer and Tout Wars last week, and I did. I ended up having to. I thought no one else would be interested in him, and Tim freaking McLeod from Canada, uh, he bid three on him, and I bid four, and I was like, this will get Vickery down, and I'll undoubtedly get him for a buck, but just to be safe. And sure enough, Canadians. I had to spend all four. Canadians. Yeah, exactly. They don't understand the value of a dollar. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I think uh, the only thing that concerns me in this situation, I wrote, I, uh, I wrote about Bauer in my waiver wire column earlier this week, just saying, uh, I hate to, you know, I hate to say to you, this is an idea we talked about on the podcast, but this is how much I think you need to be on this guy. Is Cleveland has been, they've they've kind of made no secrets about how much they've been infatuated with Carrasco, and they seem determined to get something out of him. I still, I mean, if they understand that they can still get something out of him really good in the bullpen and be okay with that, and they just seem really reluctant to do it. And, I, I mean, the results, you know, the, the indicating stats, because they subscri- they've started to subscribe to a lot of statistical analysis and things like that, the indicating stats don't suggest that his results should be this bad, but they should know from watching this pitch that his makeup is just not where it needs to be in order to be a guy that can be consistent for them in the rotation. They got to put him in the bullpen because I own Trevor Bauer. Yeah, thank you. It's all about it's all about <laughs> us. When we look at when we look at Carrasco, four starts, 
He's thrown at least 86 pitches in all four of them. He's had struck at least five batters in all four of them. You know, his last time out only walked one, but did allow four in runs, allowed a home run. He's he's given up two home runs this year. The strikeout rate strong, but it's just it's just a consistency of Grand where things are. Yeah, it's just a consistency. He's he's, he's throwing uh, his strike rate is below league average. His percentage of pitches within the zone is below league average. The amount of pitches that batters chase is just slight. It's right about league average in this situation. So it, you know, maybe if it's that the final step, the makeup, the consistent command, just get one more thing. The bullpen's a great place because he can't be sent down. He's out of options. So that's one yeah. of the reasons why this decision hasn't been forced yet. Yep. Uh, the other thing before we get into the, the final part, too, so I, uh, I wanted to bring this up during closers because this really got me pissed off earlier today. I saw today that Greg Holland pitched in a uh, in a the end of a nine three game for Baltimore oh, uh, for against Baltimore. So he also closed out a five nothing game on Friday night against Baltimore, the the game that Ventura pitched. So he he yeah. finished. He did innings of work in that one. He did an inning of work today in a nine three game. But he did not pitch Saturday in the one game of the series that Kansas City did not win. In that game, Danny Duffy came in, didn't record. There was like a, a hit batter, and then it was a sack bunt. He threw the ball away, and then there was another one. He threw the ball away, and they brought Lewis Coleman in. Lewis Coleman promptly gives up the single to Nick Marcakis. Now, would bringing in Greg Holland fix that? I mean, could Greg Holland get out of a bases loaded, no out situation? The odds are against him, just like it was against Lewis Coleman. But this is what irritated me about this. This was something from Andy McCulloch out of the Kansas City Star. In the first game of the season, Ned Yost called upon Greg Holland to extinguish a ninth-inning jam. He violated the game's orthodoxy by utilizing his closer in a tie game on the road. Yost stressed he would likely never do that again. That's the first (laughs) time I've ever used my closer in that situation because I really wanted to win that game on opening day. But don't look for me to do it. I'm not (laughs) going to do it because I've got confidence in everybody down there. So he'll use his closer in two blowout games to keep him fresh, but will not use it because I guess he didn't want to win that Saturday game on April 26th as badly as he wanted to win opening day. <laughs> uh, Drives I, me insane the way guys do this. But this is just, completely yeah, stupid. Yeah, that's, uh, no fantasy relevance uh, there at all, but I could not. I had to get audio <laughs> of me just... What the hell are you thinking, Ned Yost? I love the way you do your running game. I hate the way you handle your closer. I'm, uh, t- I mean, just email him, uh, email him the Merriam-Webster entry of uh, logic, and just I'm, I'm really, I'm yeah. That's I've not seen any of that, but that's that's just uh, that's beyond stupid. It is just I'm like <laughs> I was speechless when I read that. I'm like really. <laughs> really? All right, let's close out with uh, two start guys. And there are plenty, even though we're light schedule on Monday, there are, and, and frankly, we're a light, we're a light, good matchup. If you look at Monday or Tuesday, I was uh, going back and forth with Brandon Warren on Twitter today, and we're like, damn, there's a really bunch of crappy matchups uh, on Monday and Tuesday. There's about three or four really good ones. So we don't have a lot of two-start guys, a lot of high-quality two-start no. guys. Yeah. But let's look uh, off the American League and the National League list that you and I are looking at. Nobody else can see that. Pick a, a pick one guy in the American League you have your eye on for two-starts. Oh, that I have my eye on. Jeez. That you're like, yep, um, this is the, I, 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 out of the well, list I'm gonna of go 12, with, who's the guy I'm gonna, you want? I'm going to totally, totally piggyback uh, 
until you pay back your your theme from last week and go with CC Sabathia because the matchup. I mean, uh, I think Seattle's had some trouble. I mean, Robbie Ross kind of dazzled them on Friday, and uh, and obviously you said Tampa Bay has struggled so much against left-handers. I'm not sure what they've done against CC, but CC, I think to me is. Uh, I mean, I think he's handled the transition to his diminished uh, physical ability rather well. I think his, his stuff looks pretty good. Yeah, it, this is a, a great matchup. We talked about Seattle, how they struggle to hit. And then you've got Tampa Bay, who can't hit lefties. I mean, this is a – and plus he's going against Eric Bedard. I mean, that, that is a really nice matchup <laughs> for CC Sabathia. I, I would go – I'm going to look at a couple things and point out some two-start guys I think people should avoid. Obviously, Eric Bedard because he sucks. I had to see him pitch twice last week. He sucks. No. Yeah. Jake Odorizzi. Jake Odorizzi, no. He's got the White Sox. He's got the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Jake Odorizzi – is really struggling the, the second time through a lineup. He's really good the first time. He is not good the second time. I wrote this up over at the Process Report. I brought this up on the Friday Fangraphs chat. Go check it out. Do not touch Jake Odorizzi right now. I don't even like you, Darvish, this week because he's got Oakland. He's got L.A. L.A. hits. Oakland has Darvish's number pretty much. I think he's 1-7 against them. Some of those have been tough luck losses, but I looked at his game scores, and they're all over the place with them. But none of them are that strong, so I don't like him as a two-star guy. Sabathia would have been the guy that I would have taken here outside of him. But let me read you the rest of the list, folks, so you know what we're talking about. I'll take Sonny Gray against Texas and Boston because, frankly, he's the best talent left on this list. But Jason Vargas, John Lackey, Tyler Skaggs, Masterson, McGowan, Odorizzi, Bedard, Pelfrey, Rienzo, and Chris Young. Puke. Well, the- <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a, hey there, at least there's a good chance that you won't have to choose. You might not even have uh, Mcgowan to choose from. You know, you never know. <laughs> oh, God, he was horrible. Yeah, oh, Brendan Morrow. That's the one I was thinking of. Yeah, just yeah, 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 yeah. Morrow was a, a true. Uh, no hitter. I think he didn't allow it. He didn't allow it. No hit, hitter. But he walked eight <laughs> on Saturday. I think uh, uh, Lackey is the one that really concerns me. He's pitched really well for. He was. He was. He always had really bad numbers in Boston before he became a member of the Red Sox. And uh, I mean, since last year and coming into this season, he pitched really well at home. But uh, Tampa Bay and Oakland are two of the best teams in the American League as far as hitting right-handed pitching, yep. and we know that they play well on the road. I mean, this this has potential disaster two-start week for for Lackey, and, and a week where there's not a lot of two uh, attractive two-start options to begin with. So I think you have to be you have to be really judicious if you're playing in some kind of uh, anything you do where you play some kind of matchups or you you know pick and play or uh, choose things for boxes anything like that I'd be concerned about that one. All right, so let's look at the National League, and I'm going to pick the guy first this time so you don't steal him from me. Uh, <laughs> I really like Alfredo Simone this week against Chicago because they're a terrible team, uh, and even mm-hmm. their lefties basically it's just Rizzo you got to worry about because you know, uh, Nate Scherholz isn't hitting anything these days. And Simone is just death to righties. And I think, and he's got Milwaukee the second time around. And we know that Segura is probably not going to play. And we know that Ryan Braun may not even be back. So you take that out, and all he's got to do is worry about uh, Alexi Ramirez. Alexi, or Aramis Ramirez. And, and Carlos Gomez. And he's really good against righties. So that's something I like those matchups. Yeah, and he's, uh, I mean, he's, it's. It's all cut fastball for him. That's kind of what I mean. That's what's really kind of turned him around a bit. He's really intriguing to me. I think that uh, I mean it could be another interesting, another good matchup. J- Jason Hamble totally t- uh, took the Brewers lineup apart today, and then a combination of things. I mean, obviously they're down a couple of guys still. So, uh, but it, yeah, it looks like an attractive, it looks like an attractive week for him. 
Yeah, and the other two start guys we look at uh, in the National League, Waka, Bumgarner, Ross, Loesch, Gallardo, Grinke, Sangrani, uh, Harang, Samarja, Jose Fernandez, Nice, Chatwood, Morales, Wiley. Much better on the on National League side of the ledger uh, this week when you look at that, when you look at the two-star situation than, than it is in the American League. Uh, but barring injury, barring rain out, and there is a lot of, there's some weather. I know if, you, if you're in the, the Midwest and Arkansas today, hopefully a tornado hasn't affected you, but I know there's some stuff going on uh, there right now i've seen some pictures on twitter today about that uh, but that weather obviously is going to be moving east so there may be some weather delays so when we say two starts it's it's as accurate as the weather reports are today but that may be a situation as well all right uh any other final thoughts because that does it for our show i have nothing uh i think i pretty much run my mouth to everyone's content and they're tired they're tired to listen to me run it you got a topic uh anything you're going to be writing about in the next couple of days now, I have a list of several things that I'm I'm going to be taking a look at, at least as far as the viability of them goes. I'm not really nothing's really jumping out at me uh, overall. Do I think uh, I'm I'm going to I'm going to take a look at uh, this pitcher that Arizona called up. I can't even remember his name. Um, uh, uh, he put up a, a pretty good some pretty good marks in his first time. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of upside, but uh, but other than that, there's not really a whole lot of thing going on that's really intriguing at this moment. Uh, uh, so yeah, I'm trying. It's going to be an interesting thing. week. I'm trying to. I haven't really come up with a fantasy topic because my fantasy articles aren't on until the end of the week on Friday, so nothing's really hit me yet from a, a real baseball perspective. I was going to look at uh, what types of pitches guys are throwing when, uh, let's say, a guy's on first base, uh, and, and what types of pitchers. A lot of people would think, okay, Billy Hamilton's on first base, so Joey Votto hitting second. There's going to be a lot of fastballs. I, I want to see if that's playing out. I'm going to look at you know, if the. Uh, Second batter, if, if the second batter of the game, if the guy hitting in a two spot is up at the plate and there's a guy on base, uh, you know, at, at least in the first inning. So we at least we know it's that guy. Let's say it's not the catcher who's hitting eighth, you know, who let off the inning and the pitcher didn't get the sack bunt down. And then I'll, and then the first the other guy struck out, so it's two outs, the catcher's on base, and then the guy comes. I want to try to get that noise out of, out of the situation. But that's something I wanted to look at. Related to Milwaukee earlier, I wanted to look at – I tweeted out some some leaderboards earlier today, fewest and most pitches by bullpens. But one of my Milwaukee guys was like, that's cool, but Milwaukee's also short. They're only going with a six-man bullpen right now. So let's look at how many appearances guys have made. I think, you know, and I talked the other day, uh, going into today, Kenley Jansen is pitched in 16 of the 25 games by the Dodgers. Maybe you and I talked about this last week. He's on pace now for 102 games this year. Well, uh, I mean... Uh, I think he pitched in both of the games in Australia and had obviously some downtime there, so that probably made it a little easier to, to justify. Yeah, but uh, that's still, but, still a lot of But it, it is interesting. It'd, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they handle him the rest of the way. If that's yeah, that's a, I don't want. I mean, it's certainly not anything to be concerned about yet. But uh, yeah, that's interesting. So I, I want to look into that and see you know compare what the leaderboard looks like for pitches what it looks like for appearances. Because, I mean, guys got to get up and down, got to warm up and stuff. So there is some to that. Because I've, I've always been a theory. I don't care what your innings pitch total is. I care what your pitches totals are. Because pit, all pitches aren't created equally. You know, we, we've all seen the, 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 the Eric Bedard 40-pitch innings. And we saw that kid Scott Carroll today hit a 14-pitch first inning. So innings aren't created equally. I want to see you know what how many pitches you're throwing. And that gets me, that gets me concerned. Yeah, that's the uh, that's that's one of the things I started looking at for my projections a few couple of years ago. Is um, started just comparing when I when I noticed guys were making leaps in um, 
in innings, uh, pitches per inning is when the, if it's something that if the uh, the breakthrough doesn't necessarily come, but that is improved. And you, you can't always tell from just from the strikeout rate and the walk rate and things like that. So it's uh, and uh, I mean it's, it it was totally support totally supported the the Max Scherzer breakout and then Johnny Cueto and things like that. Uh, Madison or I'm sorry Matt Cain, all these guys when they were coming up several years ago. Uh, I'm not the most scientific uh, researcher when it comes to stuff like that. Uh, everybody else in Fangrass would blow me away in that department, but it just I was looking for these patterns and I think that there's something to that and. Uh, uh, so I, I, I think that there's I, to, I would totally agree and it, it's it's amazing how much um, I mean it, I would guess uh, I'm not short of what else to call it that uh, when a guy gets into an inning it, that uh, the 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 strain on him uh, must increase exponentially once he gets into f- uh, twenty and twenty five and thirty pitches. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that, to kind of keep a look at to. Uh to analyze to see what the impact is, because I think we're all quick to say, oh, this guy's done this, this guy hasn't done that. But it also, I want to look at, you know, low, medium, and high. Are, are you pitching with the same effort in a 7-1 in a to one game as you are in a 7-6 to six game? You know, those kind of things. So there's a lot of things mm-hmm. to to look at here. But I'm just trying to – I usually write down, I guess, as, as discussions happen on Twitter, I just have this, like, notepad next to my desk here, and I'll write down things and try to look at, okay, this is worth discussing or this is worth looking at and see what happens. So, uh, again, thanks for listening. Rank, uh, if you haven't been to iTunes yet or anything, please rank and review the show. We'd love to hear the feedback on that to try to get us uh, up higher in the rankings because we do like seeing that and, and as we compete against all the other fantasy podcasts that are out there uh, and keep that up. And uh, if you have any feedback for us, use it. Use the comment section to let us know. Hopefully we addressed all the players you want us to talk. If we did not get a guy, Leave us a note, and then Eno and I can pick them up during the week before Nick and I resume talking next weekend. Adios.